What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. thinking that six o'clock in the morning is insane. When I get insane. my new space, I'm going to put a cot in the back for you. <laughs> when you got your old space, I, I was certain that there was a cot in the back for you. <laughs> I did. At one point, I thought I may as well just sleep on this tiny little blue couch. Just live there. I'm, I'm leaving in the cot part for the opening of the show. Just okay. so you know. Oh. That's how we're going to start off. We're watching you. Well, I'll tell you what. I might move if I get this new space. I'm going maybe that's one way to afford it. I, caught in the back. There you go. Caught in the back. You gotta whatever you gotta do to make it work. A crate for Winnie. I got a new puppy. <gasps> what kind of puppy? Oh my god, she's so cute. The shelter special and she's adorable. Shelter special is in like shelter a Heinz fifty seven. Yeah. <laughs> like she's a mutt. From the Austin Humane Society and she's so adorable. <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh, she's so adorable. Well, on the note of cute puppies, uh hi everybody. Good morning. So uh, we have brought back our most popular, most talked about guest is back in the studio with us, Miss Tara Chapman. Good morning. Good morning. That makes me so happy. Well, that's good because, um, uh, you know, I've kind of put you through the ringer for the last two or three weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, let's share that story. Um, by the way, my, my gentleman friend, which if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I am too old to have a boyfriend guys the jig is up gentleman my friend. gentleman friend yeah, she, and that's how he's referenced on instagram gentleman friend. my, my gentleman cute puppy f- and a gentleman friend <laughs> so okay first of all um i jj asked me to come and speak at this bee club yeah i've never been asked to speak at that particular bee club so i was very excited spoke with the bee club um i needed to hang around because i had a vat of hot wax and you don't put hot wax in the back of your truck i've made that mistake before it does not turn out well so i'm hanging around waiting for the wax to cool and the club is going through some club business and they need a president and nobody wants nobody wants to be the president and basically jj's like locked the doors and said we are not leaving here until we have a president and i am literally reading people magazine on my ipad in the back of the room and someone wasn't paying attention i did not i did not do this so first off she left Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that she had actually left the wax in there, but she car- carted all of her other stuff out. And we were doing our, our elections for the end of the year. And we had been having a really hard time getting volunteers in there. And, and she wasn't kidding. I literally told him straight up, we're not leaving. I'm locking the doors and no one is going home until we make a decision. And I don't care if that decision is we dissolve the club. You will stand up and, and take responsibility and we're going to make a decision. She walks back in the room. And sets there down. She, is. she sets down over on the other side, and I, I think I know who it was that started it. But at one point, when we were asking for volunteers, somebody was like, "Tara, did you raise your hand?" I just saw Tara raise her hand, and the whole attention of the room focused mm-hmm. on her. I know who it was. I do too. And it was not. It was not me. It was not me. And they I even boozled me, Ken. I sat over on the table. She's just glaring at me. And I was like, I did not do this. And you came they back in of your own me. accord. Like you were free and clear and gone. And she came back. And and then someone else in the audience, like they know how to, t- you know, the string that's on my heart and how to pull it. Because John had introduced me as, you know, someone that really supports women 
um, and women-owned businesses, and mm-hmm. one of the ladies at the back of the room said, Tara, you love to support women. Look at all of the women in the room that you would support. And she hooked me and had me. And so I was not going to tell my gentleman friend um, because he would be furious with me. What do you mean you took on more responsibility? And so we were screening this film, The Pollinators, last week, right? Mm -hmm. And had some folks in the room that are in the, you know, the Texas Bee Club. Uh, community and I was sharing this story and Aiden was behind me and I said oh dear god I wasn't even going to tell you and he put on his you know the face that you put on the smiley face and we walked out of the theater and he just said get out of it and he walked away (laughs) so here we are yeah here we are Um, fun times so but so all right so if it makes you feel any better um, I went from the the president of the Travis County Association, right. and if you're the, the president in one of the clubs that is affiliated with Zilker, you're also on the board for Zilker Botanical Gardens. Okay. So I'm like, okay, yay. Two spots of my life are now freed up. I was nominated and then elected as the vice president for the Texas Beekeepers Association, so now I'm yay. responsible for the entire state. And after the elections, when we had our board meeting, it was, oh, by the way, the president and vice president are also on this board and this board and this board. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm-hmm. So I gave up one officer position and one board position to gain a new officer position and three new board positions. Because karma comes a calling frequently. Yeah, well, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, I'm going to say this. So so I have. Ex- and here's the thing. It's it's not that I don't want. And I, I, fe- I felt bad after I left there because I thought all these people in the room saw me kind of make a fuss. It's not that I don't want to be that role. It's just I don't. um I don't do anything halfway. I am like all in. Well, that's the way I do when I buy my toys. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Evidenced by the fact by the end of that week, I had already planned a holiday party for the club that I just became a member of like yep. five seconds before. She did a great job. And so one of my staff said, Tara, you're a machine. You can't just like, you're not going to just show up for this one meeting. So here's here's what I'm asking. If you were in Austin, um, I'm going to. You need a producer. I, I, you need, I need a producer. A producer. <laughs> I need that music cue right now. If you're in Austin, I need all of the help that I can get. So I don't know when my rain starts. I, I am not even January. January, come and join the club because I'm going to need help and I'm going to need happy Lake smiling Travis? faces. No, 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 way, no, Lake Travis. Oh, uh, well, okay, Travis. Travis County. Travis County. Travis County. Yeah. yeah so actual... I live in Llano County, so yeah. I don't know. No, 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 please Travis come and join County. the club. So I can see happy, smiling, helpful faces each month. Helpful faces. And you can bring a lot of the people that volunteer for two hives. You can now get them in and have them come and help, too. A lot of goods are going to come out of it. Yes, yes, indeed. And I I mean, obviously, you know, you know where to find me and where I'm at and stuff like that. And I'm always happy to help. So that's uh, that's not a problem. I've already committed to being there through March anyway, because I'm doing the mentorship with our scholarship kid. And, you know, I will see him through ultimately to the end because I will give him his plaque and award and everything when he finishes. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm there for a little bit. But then it's you. And that's the story of how <laughs> and Tara then, became an officer. Oh, oh by the way, we're, oh, yeah. not, we're not done with that either. Are we because, talking about you, the officer of a state organization now? Well, no. We're not going to. But I mean, I, I, we've already. Yeah, I'm, I'm the vice president of the, uh, the Texas Beekeeper right. Association now. So I can see where that path is going. <laughs> But so anyhow, we we actually do have a point 
for today's show. Oh, we gotta show. do a show. Yeah, no, we, we do actually. I like have this. Point. I like this part. Well, but it's it's going to be even more interesting and even better because when she was on, when Tara was on last right. time, she was getting ready to go. Was it New York? Connecticut. Connecticut. She was getting ready to go up to Connecticut, and she was going to do the honey version of like a small yay class where it was going to be honey sensory and tasting, and she has learned a whole bunch of information. And this is what I I selfishly withheld from the club because she could have came in and presented on these new topics, but I made her present on wax, which was like her least <laughs> favorite topic, um, because I, I selfishly wanted to hoard this information and have it come out first and foremost on the Hive Jive and on our podcast. So we're going to let Tara go through and tell us a little bit about how this whole honey sensory immersion experience went. And then if we have time, also a little bit about the natural crystallization process and, and preserving of the honey and the different things that can occur there. So, uh, yeah, it was so cool. So it's called the Honey Sensory Class mm-hmm. and it's in Connecticut and it's run by Marina Marquesa. Marquesa I mm-hmm. hope I'm saying her name right. She owns Red Bee Honey. That may be familiar oh, to some of you guys. Yes. And she she curates different honeys. Right, She buys a lot of honeys from Italy and then jars it under her label. But um, this class is actually um, an Italian program. Um, so it's an actual certification program in Italy. And this is the first year that they did the level one in the United States. So the level two and the level three, I'm unfortunately going to have to travel to Italy. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, <laughs> Super sad. Um, but the level one. So anyway, spent four days talking, learning and tasting honey. And I learned so so very much. I mean, I thought I had a really good grasp on, like, for example, how and why honey crystallizes. And it turns out that I knew just the tip of the iceberg, but it was really cool. So we learned a whole lot about how um, we taste um, different things. And I learned that it's so much more than just taste. So you've got um, different nine different flavor families and we were given this flavor wheel and, and we, as we would try these honeys, we would try to identify the flavor family. So that could be animal, um, you know, vegetal, chemical, even there's all these different flavor families. But then you've also got the taste sensations and the taste sensations would be like bitter, sour, sweet, salty, right? Those are your taste sensations. And then you have your mouth feels and the mouth feels would be like refreshing, metallic, spicy. So there's so much to how what goes into how we um, you know receive anything that we we put into our mouths and we learned so much about how much our nose plays a role so I've got a fun experiment for you guys to try at home if you want and so take a little bit of cinnamon and put it in a cup and hold your nose and put the cinnamon in your mouth and notice that there's nothing you can feel the sensation of the grit in your mouth the second that you open your nose it's like this rush of sensation of the cinnamon comes through your senses and so when we learned about how important our noses were they made it so that we the recommendation was do not wear any colognes or lotions or anything on the day and we had to continually reset our palate and you reset your palate, meaning your nose, by smelling yourself. Because we smell ourselves all day. So that's sort of our like baseline. Oh. And so between the different courses, if you will, exactly. You lift your <laughs> arm up and you smell in the crook of your elbow, or you could your armpit, I guess. That's what Ken just did. And that resets your nose so that you can, you know, be ready for the next. Honey course. I do. Really I cool. do like the crook of the elbow better than where he was. Then headed. under the he arm was, He was headed towards the armpit. So <laughs> yeah, I just smelled the deodorant. 
but that, that's see they just said you're not supposed to wear anything with any scent color. so okay. yeah okay. you gotta the, i like that the crooked elbow that's really cool well that was in italy no, that's here. Here. Yeah, this course was in Connecticut. So this oh. was the level one, and then the level two and the level three. you got to go to Italy. Yeah, that's where I sadly have oh, to So you're going to have to, you just got to keep it going. I mean, you've already started on one. Yeah. you got to have number two, and you got to have number yeah. three. And the Italian. And then you make number four. The, the guy that's from, you know, the Italian program came. So it was Marina, and then it was this Italian gentleman. Um, who taught the course and he brought we focused on Italian honeys because the regulations around honey in Italy are I mean you know it's really poorly regulated here in the United States and they're on the other end of the spectrum I mean the hoops that they have to go through to prove that they were the beekeeper and that it's real honey and that it's not adulterated is amazing the labeling the simple labeling that they are required to follow is just outstanding and so because they've really researched and identified the flavor profiles of these 20 i think it's 23 different italian single varietal honeys we we tasted italian honey so unfortunately we didn't get to taste a lot of u.s honeys really any um but we learned the skill set that we then can apply to our own honeys and it's completely changed the way that i that, that that i i taste food across the board uh, it was really cool. If you ever get the chance to take any sort of sensory course, be it wine or beer or cheese, I encourage you to do it because you learn a lot that you can then apply to other foods. Well, just think about the the depth of the the language that you've basically just learned because listening to you go through and talk about all the different ways that it can actually be categorized and, and defined and explained. You know, I think about when we talk about honey and, you know, it, I can break it down into simple. It's sweet. Or it's bitter. And then you have like these floral notes. Well, that's very vague, but you can get an idea of flowers. And then like the, the horse mint causing like that citrusy kind of high note or a zing to it. That's the breadth of my language when it comes to that. And you just you just made that sound like child speak because there's so much more of a rich vocabulary that can go into the nuances of it. And that is phenomenal. That That's just... I just can't wait till she brings more honey so we can taste it. He actually, I, he told me whenever you were coming in, like he was telling me, he was like, oh, and, and but Tara's going to be there and she's going to do all this. And I was like, no, she's not. I was like, she's not bringing you anything, Ken. She, that was a first time you'd never met her. She was explaining her thing. Oh, I can. You just, you just have to put in the request. Uh, no, Ken uh, does not need any more spoiling. No, I can't, I can't have any honey. No. I, I I'm brought, on a diet now. I brought the wheel so you two oh, can kind of look okay. at it, which is really cool. We'll, uh, um, we'll take a picture and post it yeah, out there too for everybody and, to see. Anyway, it just it's I realize that I've been describing the way that our honeys taste all wrong. And when I go back and I taste something like I describe most of our spring honeys as floral, sure. they're actually not at all. They're not now floral? that I've gone through this training, I come back, I think, oh, they're not at all floral. They've got totally different flavors. And our mesquite honey, I've always described. Smoky. Well, mesquite honey is not smoking. Okay. It's not at all. We think of mesquite as being smoky because we burn the wood for barbecues, well, yeah. right? Yeah, that's um, why I always say, like, if you use your imagination, that very last note, you could almost equate that to, like, a smoky, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> and I I learned that uh, our mesquite honey actually tastes very almondy, which is super ironic because so, I don't eat almonds. So it almonds. would be in the warm category. 
Yes. And then it goes over to nut. And That's then it would right. say toasted chestnut, hazelnut, walnut, almond, peanut, exactly. or pine nut. And not just almond, a green almond. So like a very young green skinned almond. So something I never would have picked up on. But now that I've taken the course and I taste it, I go, oh, yeah, it tastes super almondy, What's which Nepal? is ironic because Nepal I don't eat honey. almonds. Hmm? Honey from Nepal. <laughs> Are you saying that because of Oh, the like... rhododendron honey? Yeah, stuff that makes oh, you hallucinogenic. You know, now that you say that, so he brought rhododendron honey from Italy. And right, for those of you that haven't seen this, there's a rhododendron honey in Nepal that's a hallucinogenic. Um, and so these Nepalese guys will take great strides and, you know, go up the sides of cliffs to harvest this hallucinogenic honey. it's a giant honey. bee, right? The big bee, is that right? I don't know if the hallucinogenic comes from apis um, yeah i'm not sure either okay but I'll it's just hallucinogenic honey and so he brings in this rhododendron honey and everyone in the class is like what and he's like well there's a lot of different species of rhododendrons right here in texas we have mountain laurels which is a species of rhododendron and so the really? in italy the um the leaves of the rhododendron of this particular one um are toxic but there's not enough toxicity in the nectar to be toxic to humans so we did taste a rhododendron honey but unfortunately <laughs> Um, I did not experience any hallucinogenic properties. Oh my God. Did you see the paint run off the walls? <laughs> hang, no. hang on, hang on, hang on. So, okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this in reverse. This is not how this is supposed to go. But there was uh, a gentleman in our club, the treasurer, John Kirkland, and he went through and he had talked about how a buckwheat honey is, they basically equated it over to, like, it'll have a sense of cat urine, right? <laughs> And so I went back through, and I'm going through this backwards. So if we actually follow the honey wheel, that would imply that the buckwheat honey would then be, its primary category would be animal. The secondary would be gamey. And then when you go through the descriptions, it can be sweet, manure, barnyard, stable, leather, cheese, gym bag, because that's refreshing, fresh fish, cat urine, daisy, which seems very out of place, and dandelion, which also seems very yeah. out of place in that category. But... Dandelion tea does have like a bitter. Yeah. Um, and but see, when I hear like cat urine, what I equate back to that would be like ammonia. Right. Mm -hmm. That high mm -hmm. kind of hits your nose at a really bad way. But so that that is so crazy. Like to go so, through and look at all this. And buckwheat honey, we have it in our shop if you want to come over and try it. Um, it's not our honey. It's, it's actually red bee honey. But we have it's it. It's it's more on the bitter side. It's not sweet at all. And people either love it or hate it. But that is far from the end of the spectrum, y'all. We tried, I can't remember what they were both called, but one of them was strawberry tree honey. It was so foul, I couldn't even ingest it. The first time we tried it, and then we did a bunch of blind tastings, I learned to spot it visually <laughs> because... It so made me, it. <laughs> it hit my gag reflex. It was so incredibly really? bitter. Oh, and chestnut. Chestnut and strawberry tree honey were about the foulest things I've ever had. Wow. So buckwheat is nowhere near the end of the bitter spectrum as far as honey's go. Snow on the mountain. Yeah. You ever had that? No. Snow on the prairie? What is it called? Uh, it's snow on the prairie. Snow on the prairie. I believe it's snow on the well out here it's on the prairie. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> there's a bunch of it over. There's there's a ton of it. The snow on the prairie does provide um, it does give a bitter taste to the honey. It's one of our fall producers that mm -hmm. goes along with the goldenrod and um, broomweed. Broomweed. Yeah, but it, but our fall honey though, like it's got characteristics of buckwheat. It, it can be very rich, 
but a lot of times it's also kind of mixed in with some of the last little bits of the Indian blanket. So you get this rich, buttery, bitter. So this is going to blow your mind. I had Marina. I, I left a bunch of honeys with her and she's going to try them and send me her tasting notes back. I let her try some fall honey and she said it tasted fishy. Which would go back onto that. And it's in that same category I thought, as the cat urine. No, it doesn't. And then I tried it and I said, I'll be damned. It tastes fishy. <laughs> and I'm not one of those people where you go to a wine bar, you know, when they're like, it's got floral, fruity. It, it tastes like espresso. And I'm like, I don't taste any of that. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm just kind of, you know, following the, the herd here. But it really did taste fishy. And again, I, I think it's because I went in this whole though. training. It does. That's, that's Ken's favorite is the oh, fall. Yeah, it's it my is. favorite, too. It's my favorite, too. Because it actually has a flavor. I mean, it's... it's it's. I think it's I more unique than it, what we're generally used to. Yeah. It's just got a... It, it stands out a little bit more. But anyway, the class was super cool. I can see that. Yeah, it was really fun. And we ate, we were eating about five ounces of honey a day, which I know Ken's like, hold my beer, five ounces a day, try a quart yeah, a that's, week. Yeah, that's nothing for um, Ken, geez. But we were all a little sick to our stomachs after each of those days. And we ingested that is a lot as hell. of honey. Yeah, that yeah. too. That was a beach bunch be puke. We had, uh, <laughs> we, we've done, we've done several, um, well, when we do the, the Texas Honey Show, and that's during the fall convention each year, we go through and we'll have One the One of my Texas students won the Blue Ribbon this year. Ooh, hey, Terry Albright, for, uh, shout out to you. For which category? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> she just sent me a yeah, picture she, with a... Hey, she's like, I she up. She was, she's an apprentice of mine, and she went through apprenticeship program. So there you go. Everyone should take my apprenticeship program, because the result is you win a Blue Ribbon for your honey. She just sent me the picture, so I don't know what category, but... She won. That's awesome. Well, so when we do the um, when we do the honey show and we do the real Texas honey portion of it, we do a black jar version, and afterwards you get to do the people's choice version. And how many ever entries there are? Twenty five, fifty. There are that many little containers set out for the whole attendee audience of the the convention to come, and they all get to taste them. (laughs) Inevitably, it doesn't matter how many there are. A quarter to a halfway through, they're like. do you have any water or a cracker? Like, this is a lot of honey, guys. And we're like, nope, you just got to buckle down and go through yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'll have to, before next year, I'll have to share my best tips of like honey sampling. There's all these things that you want to do. You want to warm the glass in your hand and move the glass around <laughs> and, because and, you and, get and, a stronger and, flavor or a stronger odor from it. Anyway, I so, learned so um, much. While we're still in 2019, <laughs> um, just so you know, the vice president is responsible for planning of the clinics and conventions. And what I'm hearing is a great presentation for... Oh, I don't know. I like think he just like puts the, June, you to work. the June, the summer clinic, or uh, you know, the next fall convention. Um, yeah. They're both in Dallas, by the way. I, I actually, you know, we're still in my year of yes. So I actually already offered that up to Ashley, but my apprenticeship is that day. So we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out how to make that work. On in June. Oh, the twentieth. Yeah. That's yeah, because I had to go tell you about that. But that's okay, because yeah. there is also the convention in fall, also up in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I would I would love to do that. I'm hoping to teach something. I've been chatting with the um, Austin area club. I speak at their big um, 
school. The seminar coming up in January. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, uh, yeah, it's January. I think it's like fourth. It's very early this year. But we're going to do a class on honey crystallization. Ooh. How's that for a segue? Yes, John? that's a great segue. So, and and I'm curious about this too because I. I do not purposely crystallize honey, but when it does inevitably, especially in the wintertime, any of our storage mm-hmm. containers, they just all become crystallized. So mm-hmm. I have found, and this could be completely wrong, so I'm going to speak way out of tune here and then you can correct me, but I have found that when the honey does crystallize naturally on its own, it seems to preserve the flavor and the aroma of the honey more so than if it's just in its liquid form. And I found that really interesting because I can sometimes go through and I'll taste the crystallized honey and it, it has more of an impact to me than when it was liquid or one of the others that is still liquid. Hmm. But that's letting it do it on its own. I'm not seeding that's it. I'm not purposely crystallizing it. That's interesting. I, I don't know about that. I mean, they really pressed upon us that crystallization doesn't change the flavor. But you know what? does change the way that we taste food is how we visually see food. Oh. So there might be something going on there. We did this really interesting exercise where we had to taste three different liquids and judge where they were on the sweet or salty scale. One was clear, one was blue, and one was red. And we found, and I can't remember how the color impacted exactly, but I think it was the red. Maybe it tasted sweeter. Uh-huh. They were all the exact same, but everyone in the room said that the red, for example, tasted sweeter and it's because our brain starts processing it was taken in the other stimuli absolutely which is really it's just really amazing how much is involved here well i know that temperature can have a big play on things too because think about when you make a stew or a chili when it's piping hot off the stove it doesn't have as much flavor as when it cools down and if you take it and you put it in the fridge and then the next day you pull it out and you take a bite of it there's so much more flavor and so many more nuances Mm -hmm. to it but nothing has changed in it other than the temperature. Yeah, there's certainly all these ways that we're, we're taking it, which is why you do the, you put the black paper around when you're doing the blind testing That's because right. you can you can see. There's no visual stimuli. Right, exactly. Yep. But so we learned a lot about crystallization. And like I say, I thought that I knew a lot about this topic. There's So I always tell people real honey crystallizes, meaning that you've got, when you've got pollen and propolis and little bits of wax and particles, um, the sugar crystals form around the, those, uh, those, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that's what I've always told people. And that is true, but it's actually the least it, it, what's the word I'm looking for? It <laughs> contributes the least. It's real early. Really? You guys. Why you need a it contributes. <laughs> I need a producer. Yeah. It contributes the least. You know what contributes the most as to how fast a honey will crystallize? The ratio of fructose to glucose. Oh, well, that's true because that that's why certain honeys never <laughs> crystallize or crystallize yeah. super slowly exactly. is because of what's in it. You've got, so everybody thinks of table sugar, you know, that's your sucrose and that's mm-hmm. what will go through and feed the bees. But if you add in a little bit of the acidity of, of either like a lemon or the apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. it starts changing the pH. The pH then starts this process that goes through and breaks it down and mm-hmm. separates it into fructose, glucose, or dextrose. And based on your ratios of those things, that's what will cause a crystallization. So Tupelo honey here in the United States, that's one of our honeys that crystallizes. They say never but it, it would probably, given enough time, right. it would eventually do it. As opposed to sunflower, which crystallizes very quickly. Rapeseed. Yeah, um, rapeseed. Kiave in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all of those things, and they crystallize very quickly. That's but right. what about, so the crystalline structure also can change too, though. You get some of them that'll make bigger, almost like rock candy crystals, and then some that make <laughs> a super fine. So the rapeseed, 
without doing anything to it, when it crystallizes, it comes out almost like icing. I mean, it is so fine and smooth. That's right. Yeah. So there's four uh, components that affect crystallization. So you've got the composition, which we talked about, right? The higher fructose uh, ratio, fructose to glucose, those crystallize faster. You've got temperature, which I think probably most beekeepers know about, right? Um, the, the way we liquefy honey is we apply heat. Um, if you've got your honey in a refrigerator, it's going to crystallize very quickly. That's how we make creamed honey, right? We control that crystallization. The catalyst, which we've talked about. So uh, presence of pollen and whatnot. But there's one other factor that was very new to me. Do you guys want to guess what it is? There's one other factor that I had no idea played a role. Okay, so you, you've already addressed temperature. You've addressed the particulates inside the actual honey itself. There's the the composition, which a lot of times we're not going to know of the, the different types of sugar that are in it. What do you Humidity. think? Humidity. Humidity? Temperature? Or uh, moisture? Hmm. Agitation. Mixing it or stirring it or something like yes. that. Like, okay. Yes. So I've always been perplexed by, so honey in the comb crystallizes very, very slowly, right? And I always thought, well, maybe there's something that when it touches air, there's there's got to be something there. But it's because... It's never been, there's never been any agitation. Whereas when we extract honey, whether you're extracting, you're crushing and straining, you're moving that honey, you're agitating it. And that is the fourth. Uh And when you make, when you make a creamed honey or when you make a, a crystallized honey purposefully, you add in a seed, quote unquote, which is usually already honey that's crystallized. It's been ground down into a finer granular structure. You mix that in as your seed and then you mix it or you whip it and mm-hmm. you stir it. And then you put it in your containers and put it in the fridge. So mm-hmm. you're, you're adding a particulate, you're mixing and agitating it, and then you're controlling the, the temperature, temperature and putting it in there. Yeah, there's all these that's like right. this science the to it that we don't think about. Was- you know, you that honey spins in an extractor for how long? And then you jar it, you know, you put it in a bottling bucket and then you jar it. And even the vessel that it goes in. So if you put it in a vessel where the 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 sides of the vessel are very rough, the crystals will start to form up against that rough surface, and that can affect crystallization. So the the sort of end result of this amazingly, you know, interesting course was that this gentleman who, you know, uh, is after my own heart because he argues that um, we shouldn't be scared of crystallization. We should encourage it. And if anything else, you should encourage it in a controlled uh, way because otherwise you might get defects. Right. But we just let our honey crystallize naturally because um, which I know is not the traditional way, but. We all know here that I don't do things the traditional way. There's very few things that I do the way that that? the way that beekeepers say you should do it. I even had at one of the what a market once. It was at a bee club um, or a bee school rather, and one of my beekeepers had a gentleman approached her and picked up a jar of our honey that was crystallized and admonished her and told her that she shouldn't be selling this honey crystallized, which I think is. So crazy. So you're all right. So instead, I will sell you can I'll sell you a jar of honey that's liquid mm-hmm. and then you take it home and it crystallizes and you don't know anything about honey. And what do you think? That girl sold me Something a went bad, bad yeah. product. Yeah. Right. Or I can take the time and put a jar of crystallized honey in your hand, teach you how to liquefy it if you want and take that opportunity to say, 
this is what's happened here and it's not bad. This is what you want. And then you go home and you've learned a lot and you feel more connected to your food and you're not going to be surprised by something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think for all the beekeepers out there, like don't be scared to sell your crystallized honey. One, to, to keep it liquid takes a lot of work. I know that, you know, like I've got a couple of buckets under a heating blanket right now, but I've got to because I got to jar it. <laughs> I have to liquefy it to jar oh, it, yeah. but it will crystallize again. And don't be scared to sell that that way, but you've got to be willing to educate your consumer. It's all about education. There was a lady that brought up something in the one of the panel discussions that we were having at the convention, and it was along the lines of, hey, there's somebody in our area who is selling honey that is not local honey. It is probably not even, they're suspecting not even real honey. And they were like, what can we do about this? What can we do about this? And one of the things that kind of shocked me is the panel gave their their own versions of the answers and stuff. And then I interjected, um, which is the moderator I'm not supposed to do, but I interjected because the, the one thing that was glaring to me that they left out was educating. Like instead of going through and saying, well, you could take a sample of it, you know, you could buy some, send it off, have it tested, what you can do instead of taking that approach is just simply educate your consumers. That's right. And then they have the power to go and be discerning and say, oh, well, this isn't nearly as good as this other person's, or I now know this is the natural process of things, or this is what truly is local, or you know what is a natural thing. And then they can make that educated decision. And eventually, those people will no longer go to this other vendor because they will have made that decision on their own. You don't have to say that person's bad. Yeah. Just teach it's your a customer. Tricky, it's a tricky line. You know, like here in Austin, I'm competing against people that aren't producing their own honey. They're buying from other beekeepers, right? Bottling as their own. I ha I take issue with that, um, but that's just me. Um, you're competing against grocery store honey, which probably isn't real honey for the most cases, right? Um, Who, what so, kind of honey? Arkansas honey? What did I say? Who's honey? Grocery store grocery honey. Store. Oh, grocery. I don't know where well, you got grocery Arkansas. Store honey. Me of course that's not real honey. Um, but so I'm competing against all no these No offense folks, to anybody right? in Arkansas. To all no, of our listeners, Arkansas. Ken got these new noise-canceling headphones, and oh, I think they canceled good. out way more yeah. than he thought there for a minute. Um, anyhow. <laughs> so I'm competing against all these folks and all of their honey is cheaper than mine yep. right it's more affordable oh, yeah. and so but john's right like it's a tricky line right do i want to stand on my soapbox and point out everyone that's doing things in a way that i think is unethical of course i do but that's not the way that we <laughs> no no you know what though it takes okay so so i'm going to tell on myself here there there was there's two instances one um i was <laughs> i was i don't know it's a, it's a double-edged sword for for years now I have had to be the the diplomatic one or the better person. Mm -hmm. um, let me tell you, the moral high road is a uh, very open space. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of people up there. And sometimes it sucks to have to be that person mm -hmm. that's on the moral high road all the time. But for years, I've done that. Mm -hmm. And when we did recently a class on honey, it was all about honey. And we went through and we talked about everything. The gift shop in the location where we were at sells honey. And we had a commercial distributor whom I know and love and it's fine and I had their honey and I was showing them like okay so now this this comes from here and this is what all happens and it clicked in my head and I walked out into the gift shop and I grabbed another container identical and turned it around backwards so nobody could see it and I brought it back in and I held them up side by side and I said what do you see that's different well there wasn't anything different and I'm like you're right because it's literally the same product right. they bought it from the same place all they did is put their label on the front of it 
but it is not their honey. And so part of that is knowing, paying attention and being, you know, observant of what's going on. But yeah. the other... I mean, it's, 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 it's hard, right? It's hard it to is. swallow that. That's the one but time I've done the, it. <laughs> and, and the way that we've navigated it and my staff is all, you know, is instructed to handle the situation this way is that I'm not going to throw shade on anyone else. I find what you focus is on grows and I'm going to focus on what we do and why we do it and why we do it the way that we do. Right. And so instead of, um, you know, pointing fingers and whatnot, like what we do is we talk about, you know, we focus on that we are the beekeepers and how we take care of our bees and why our practices are super sustainable. Um, and if we talk about that, you know, it's such a great extent because then people, it starts clicking in people's brains. Well, if she's talking about this so much, there must be other ways, right? And I tell people, you just ask questions, you know, um, if you're buying honey from someone and you have concerns, just ask questions. And these are some questions that you might want to ask, but we found that being really positive about what we do and why we make those choices and super transparent about what we do suits us just fine. And our customers really like it and they know, um, you know, they know our core values and they keep coming back to us because of that. And I think that for all the beekeepers out there, if you're, you know, if you're selling at a farmer's market or whatnot, I encourage you to take that same approach, you know, really um, talk up what you do and why and why it's really healthy for your honey and the product and your bees and people figure it out. They'll put it together. Yeah. So recently I was in Walmart and I, every time I go into any store or I go anywhere, like if there's honey there, I go check it out. Um, I'm the worst when it comes to going to like farmer's markets or different booths and sales and things like that, because I will totally come up, not announce necessarily who I am or what I'm doing. And I will play dumb and naive and I will go through and try your honey and do all this stuff. But so I was in Walmart one day and there are, we won't name company names, but there are two bottles on the shelf, identical containers, identical shaped labels, same color pattern. You could very easily discern they were related. One of them had the local company name on it and was $8.99. The other one was a generic name and was only $5. But you flip it over and you read the back of it and you read the processing and everything. Exact same honey, exact same producer, everything identical. But if you had the local name higher price. Yeah. But everywhere else in the country, they can buy the other one for the unknown name that's the generic version for a cheaper price. And I'm like, but it's literally the same honey inside that jar. All you're paying for at that point is the company's name. Sure. The, <laughs> that the shocked me. Yeah. I was like, wow. Talking about going to farmer's markets. So whenever I'm in, whenever I go to a city, um, whether I've been there a million times or I'm new, I always... My gentleman friend knows uh, we're going to go to the farmer's market. That's what I do because I think it's really important to support um, local makers no matter what they're doing. You know, like I always say, if you if you if you give someone who's small business, um, you're supporting dreams. Right. As cliche as that sounds, that's true. You're telling them you love what they do. And here, I'm going to help you keep doing it. So I love to go to farmer's markets. And of course, I'm visiting the beekeepers. And we were in Denver um, a couple of months ago. And there was this cute little honey stand there. And I went up and I'm chatting. He's an older gentleman. I'm chatting with him. And I'm, you know, asking about the, the bees in Denver. And 
And I say, are you the beekeeper? And he said, no, 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 no. My son-in-law is. And I said, oh, so um, you are you like the market person? He said, yeah, he's the beekeeper and I'm too old for that. And I just take care of this. And I said, oh, cool. And he said, you have no idea how hard a work it is. And I said, Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, and, I, and he looked at me and I said, yes, I own a honey company as well. And we had a good chuckle. But yet you have no idea how hard it is. And I said, none of these people do, but I certainly do. Yep. Yeah. yeah the, uh, there was a gentleman at the, conf- uh, the, the convention that um, came up and was talking to me about bee removals. And he went there and he made several comments along the same lines about, oh, you, you have no idea what all would be involved and everything else. And I was like, you have no idea who you're talking to, do you? Because, like, that's all I do. That's the bulk of my living. <laughs> Bee removals are. Ken, have you done a removal? Not no, a, no, not don't. a true one. <laughs> they're so, I mean, that is. They're a nightmare. They're, and there's so many times I've been in situations where I stop and I look around and I'm like, one of three things. What the hell am I doing? Mm. Why am I doing this? Or that was really dumb. Mm. And there's unfortunately been a lot of those that was really dumb moments. That's why people like Jorge are around. So when I have those really dumb moments, somebody might be there to call 911 Mm. if it ends up going (laughs) bad. Um, It's one of those things that like you get into it and, you know, five minutes in, you can look around and be like, oh, dear God, I don't I don't want to do this. But you can't stop. Nope. You got to keep going. Once you've broken into that wall or whatever yeah, it is. It's open. You they're going. mad. You got to finish it. So we do not do removals. If you are in the Austin area, please don't call me. I'm just going to send you to, to, John. Some, to John. I'm going to send you to <laughs> someone else. Yeah. And there, you know, the great thing about beekeeping is if you want to make a business out of it, there's a lot of things you can do, right? You could do migratory beekeeping. You can do wax, bath and body products. You can do honey. You can do removals. You can do classes. You can equipment. There's lots of things you can do. And the beauty of that is that you can choose what you like most and do that. Um, on this panel with Laura that we did at the you know bee club and the questions come up of like, what should I choose? And my point is always, well, what do you like? Right. Because what you like and where your passion is, you're going to do that way better. You're going to have more fun with it. Oh, and yeah. The it's more creative and yeah. more fun. Yeah. The more creative you can be. And like any beekeeper, all of you guys out there listening, you're so you're keeping bees. Okay, so you've got bees. That means that if everything goes well, you're going to have honey. And if you have a lot of bees, you're going to have a lot of honey. And if you don't want to have more bees, you're going to have to find a way to get rid of the bees. And then if you do extractions, you're going to have wax. And like, there's all these things that are just inherent for beekeeping. So turning around and being creative and being in and, and kind of dreaming and having fun with it, that comes back into like your two hives, honey. What are you going to do that sets you apart from every other beekeeper out there? Everybody can sell honey. What makes your honey unique? What makes your honey special? You know, is it that the fact that it's Ken Milam's award-winning honey and on the front of each hive, it says, you know, this is award-winning honey and basically symbolically telling your bees they need Seven to do that? Seven generation texting. Yeah. Ken. I love yeah. that yeah. so much. Honey. Uh, get, let's get on that before my year of no gets here because I want to help you make your labels. Yeah. I she volunteered for that, by the way, Ken. That, that doesn't happen. Oh. You need to definitely jump on that one. I I am very jazzed about this this little project. Yeah, but the marketing aspect of it, that's one of the things you excel at is the marketing and the presentation and making it unique. And then your guys' whole business model is very unique about what you do. And so that's how you set yourself apart. Why is two hives different than every other beekeeper out there? Well, it's because of all these other little nuances that you put into it that makes it unique and special. And that's what everybody out there needs to realize is is it's it's whatever you make of it. It's whatever you put into it. And you can be as creative as you want to or as simplistic as you want to. It's your deal. Have fun with it and do what you want to do. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, at the school uh, on the panel a couple weeks ago, a gentleman in the audience said, you know, I'm not really interested in being a boutique honey, which that's a great way to describe what we do. And I, I said, great. That. You don't have to be a boutique honey. Um, I'm not advocating that for all of you at all. In fact, a lot of you live in markets that aren't going to support a boutique, honey. Um, but the same principles apply of like finding, look around, identify your customer and what their needs are. And if you don't know, just listen to them. I always say your customer tells you everything you need to know. We just don't listen very well. Yep. So look around and, and see what's out there and what you think might work and, um, and, and find a differentiating factor. And that can be as simple as nobody at my market does creamed honey. People go bananas for creamed honey. I'm going to make a creamed honey. You know, that's what Pam, Pamela does creamed mm -hmm. honey. Everyone knows if you want creamed honey, you go to her. And so that's really effective. So just you figuring out what's different and what you're going to do um, <laughs> is great. Uh, there's a gentleman named Donnie Johns that has for the last two years won, I think he won second place last year and he won first place this year on creamed honey for the honey show. And at the banquet, you get to bid. They have all of the first place things as auction items. Cool. Pamela bought his first place cream. Oh, honey. I hear a seat coming oh, on. Oh, yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> and she, he's like, oh, thank you so much. That was so, that was so sweet of you. I can't believe you spent that much on it. You know, that's very, that's very appreciative. And then he sits down, they're all at our banquet table with us. And I was like, Donnie, um, you better say goodbye to your award-winning honey there, buddy, because she just bought all your seed. And you could, <laughs> like the blank expression that came over his face, like you could just see the terror. And he was like, oh my God. And she was like, I didn't even think of that. And I was like, well, now you did. <laughs> She's so sweet. We are trying our hand at creamed honey and our we finally we think that we've got it. Um, and so we're hoping we're frantically trying to get that before the holidays. That may not happen, given that it's what, November What's the it's, date? It's getting Six, here. I don't 17th. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is. Holiday markets start next week. But um, she's so sweet. She gave us some of her honey to seed, which is very kind. I love that, that she that she gave us some honey knowing what we wanted to do with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's how she got started as well. Somebody yeah. gave her some seed honey. And, yeah. and that's kind of the whole, it's one of the things that Laura says that I love is like, we all rise together. Mm -hmm. it, it, if we help each other out and we be more of a community instead of everyone for themselves as far as the the education and the the outlook and outreach on things it it helps a lot. That's kind of one of the the great things about the show. We're here in the studio doing these things for you guys and we literally are not expecting anything in return. Like there there is we don't get paid to do this. We nope, come in all. here, we talk, we give this it's free education, um hopefully entertainment and everything and it it helps everybody else out there hopefully in some way or another navigate these trials and tribulations that we all experience. And it kind of gives you guys a sense of you're not alone. You know, it happens to all of us. And if we can share things that work and that do well, then we all do better because of it. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I, I have a request for help <laughs> on that. Let me ask you're looking you for, a producer. for something. I she, am looking she for needs a an producer. Eric to play theme songs for <laughs> yeah. her when she enters a room. You guys, I was just saying that, I really, I always ask the question of like, what would you do if you got an, like, if you won the lottery, just like a ridiculous sum of money? I'd have a 97 frame or 97. Extractor. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that's coming anyway. Yeah. I'd always <laughs> ask that question. What, what's the most ridiculous thing that you would do? And for me, it's always been that I would hire a driver. Like what a ridiculous expense, but I hate driving. I want someone else to drive me around all day, but I've changed my mind because I want a producer. I want someone that walks around with me and just cues up. <laughs> 
music. You know, like earlier we were we were chatting about um, me spending money and being nervous to spend money. And Eric back there queued up a little Willie Nelson. If you've got the money, honey, I've got the time. And I thought, yes, I want that all day. I want like the Bee Gees strutting song down the street. Does he it have makes to dress life. up like a bee? Do what? Does he have to dress up like a bee? He can do whatever he oh, wants okay. and I will pay him. Five times whatever you're paying him. <laughs> Ten times. But I got to win the lottery first. Yeah, this is all. Let's go back to the beginning of that conversation. Lottery. If you win the lottery yeah. and have all this money, that's where this stems from. That's What, totally what is your my... request? Oh, my request. Sorry, what? I got lost. Okay. So we were chatting earlier about the fact that we are considering. I'm putting this out there because it, it's a forcing function for me. We are considering getting a new space here in Austin in a much better area um, and um, a bigger space Mm -hmm. because we've outgrown our space. And I've been struggling with the decision because it's a lot more money that I don't really think that we can afford, but I frankly can't mentally afford to continue living the way that we have been in our tiny little space. And so I'm trying to look at this as an opportunity, right? This You're is, fixing the swarm. This is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is an opportunity for us to think about what can, what would we do if we had more space? And so I'm brainstorming a lot of things. I'm considering putting in an inspected kitchen and maybe offering that up to local beekeepers as a place to come and harvest your honey. Anyway, the world is our oyster at this moment. So if anyone out there that's in this area has any ideas of things that you would like to see from us, meaning, you know, more classes or perhaps more like experiences like honey sensory classes, for example, or if a kitchen would be really appealing to you. I am here and I'm just mapping out what are we going to do with this space? If you've got any ideas, I would love to hear them. Give them, give them all your, uh, so twohiveshoney.com. Yeah. Instagram at twohives. Yeah, I'm at twohives, T-W-O-H-I-V-E-S. Message me. I, ch- I check that myself. Any Anything that you would want, be it a BQ or a non-beekeeper that you would want to see in a new cool space, let me know and let me, let's see if we can make it happen. It's exciting. There you go, guys. Well, uh, we are, unfortunately, we could continue this forever, but we are I out know, of I gotta time. Go cook. Yeah. I got to go cook sausage. We, we are out of time for today. Uh, <laughs> Ken has to be in San Antonio here very shortly. Yep. So um, we very much appreciate, as always, you coming in and, and speaking with yes. us, Sarah. There, there's a reason why I think, you know, when we did your last show that it was so well received and everything is it's it's fun. It's engaging, um, deep all at the same time. And it just it makes it it's a joy to sit in here and actually have the conversations. It's a joy to listen to. Um, I think that it's all great. So we we will definitely be having you back again. Oh, my gosh. Anytime. And, uh, and Other than the fact that I have to get up at an ungodly hour on a Saturday morning. That is Ken's fault. Um, uh, yeah. I am. And I'm not going to complain because Ken. I'll call you and wake you up when I get up. Two in no. the morning to drive across the state of Texas. Uh, but I love it. I'll come back anytime. It's great fun. It's fun. Oh, my God. Do we have time for one really quick fun fact? Sure. Go for it. I'm sorry. Fun fact. uh, I love fun facts that I learned from my class. Do you guys know where the term honeymoon comes from? No. Such a good one. No. So back in the day, and I asked when in the day. Are we talking like 100 years or 1,000 years? And the guy was like, you know, sometime in the past. But at some point, let's let's say the 1600s because that's fun. Okay. the, when when people would get married, uh-huh. they would send the couple off 
for a month, uh-huh. then the idea would be that they would bear children, right, to go have babies, yeah. Yeah. and they would send them off somewhere for a month, so for one full moon with a bunch of mead to help with the baby making, and that's where the term honeymoon comes from. That's very cool. Isn't that fun? That is very fun. <laughs> I like that. Well, there you go, guys. You you get to end on a note with a little interesting tidbit there. And, do we uh, have real Texas mead? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Actually. So... Ken's all about it now. See, he's he's already hooked. Oh my lord! Well, thank you guys. Um, I'm we're 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 gonna wrap it up. Thank you everybody for joining us today, and we will be back next week with another full episode of the Hive Jive. Say bye, everybody. Bye. bye. Be warm. Be good. And be safe. Bye. There you go. Be gone. <laughs> been listening to the hive jive we appreciate you joining us on our beekeeping adventures and you can find out more information about today's episode online at thehivejive.com and as always thanks for listening